Hello everyone, this is Edo Ninja, and you are now listening to the Storm Connect Podcast, published by the King Size Life Network. I talk about gaming topics and animated series of my own interest, like Ruby, Kingdom Hearts, Persona 5, and more. The goal I aim to accomplish on every episode is to provide insights on these subjects that are usually overlooked, to spread awareness, and learn more. In this episode, we are going to continue off to where we left off, Follow the Red Brick Road, Part 2. So, and this is, again, going off with the Ruby discussion like we had in the previous episode. So, and again, uh, if you don't know what Ruby is, it is made by Rooster Teeth, uh, an animated web show that features anime characteristics where four girls, Ruby, Weiss, Blake, Yang, and a few other traveler friends went from training to become huntsmen and huntresses to saving the world as they fought off against the creatures of Grimm. So, I am here joined with amazing guests once again. So... Special guest, you may, you may now introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Dakeem. I am a freelance voice actor based in London, and I am a huge fan of Ruby, and I'm joined by this amazing person, Edo Ninja, to talk about Volume 7 and Kimps. So yeah, hi. Hi, I'm Kimps, and I'm a graphic designer, and that's just about it. <laughs> so, um... And of course, we cannot forget our other guest who showed up in this previous episode. So um, I'll give him room for that one as well. Can't Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut up. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, so with that being said, uh, I also want to mention as well, uh, Kim's Tony, and also Nakeem here are all a part of this Kingdom Hearts graphic art community server. It is open to all 2D, 3D artists, graphic designers, animators, and video editors. So if you are interested in joining such such a unity, I will put the Discord link on the show page. Now, if you're not caught up with the Ruby series, I suggest you tune into this podcast at another time, even though you should be caught up by now because, well, <laughs> the volume's been done for about quite some time. So if you haven't caught up to that, I don't know what you're doing. Go, go watch the series right now. Go watch. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Anyways. <laughs> Alrighty. So, um, in the previous episode, we kind of uh, broke off the ice a bit by uh, asking their three questions of the Ruby series before we talked about the premises of Volume 7. So, we're doing that again, but this time we have some different questions. Well, for only two of them. The first one, this one's going to be only going to Nakeem, while the two and third one is going to be new to all of us. So... Um, Nikim, so we're starting off with you. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the Ruby series? I got into Ruby uh, via a friend on Discord uh, called Corey. And Corey, he, he's very he's very big into the series. And basically, we were... He, he I think he posted a picture of Weiss one time. And I was like, who is that? And he's like, oh my god, she's from Ruby, this amazing Rooster Teeth 3D animated show. And I was like, 3D? Ew. But he said, no, 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 it's not like that, give it a chance. And um, around this time, it was like literally not even a couple weeks before Volume 6's release. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a watch, I'm going to see what happens. And I ended up watching it religiously, and I got a bit too addicted to the show. And now I'm a huge fan, Oscar Pine stand to the day I die, Aaron Dismick stand to the day I die. But yeah, I ended up watching the entire show, and I, Edo was... Um, also into the show because I remember Edo talking about it on his um, previous YouTube channel. I was like, oh my god. And we started discussing about the hype that Volume 6 had. And I ended up, that Volume 6 was the first volume I ended up like watching week by week, which I really enjoyed. But yes, yeah, how it got into Ruby. 
Shout out to Corey. It sounds like you were part of also the faction with uh, Tony that basically just watched, like, binge through the several volumes before jumping into the fifth or the sixth one and such. So it's good that you have joined into this Rubio hype. And again, we'll, we're on this journey until the volume eight. So we're going to see how that goes. So uh, now that that's out of the way, we got the two new questions for this time. So uh, the second question is, Favorite opening of the Ruby series. This time, we're going to start this off with Kimps. Okay. Um, I think like, my favorite song is I like a, t- a tie between a couple, but I think the one that hits me the hardest, I think, is the volume two opening. Um, because mostly for the nostalgia and the fact that the song is actually pretty good, too. Because uh, I was like watching Ruby since the very beginning, like following it really close. And like, season two was the first time it really ramped up and hit me. In a special way that has a special place in my heart. And also, the music's great. So, yeah, well, let's do this. I definitely have to agree with you on that. That's actually the time that I just got into Ruby before um, Volume 3 um, was premiered onto the YouTube channel of theirs. And uh, I do agree with you that there was like, a lot of nostalgia, and that was like almost at that peak that Ruby was just hitting, just before like it exploded to what it is right now. So that's a very uh, great choice that you write, that you have right there. I respect that highly. How about you, Nikim? Um, Let's Just Live from Volume 4 is definitely my favorite opening by far. Ooh, because okay. uh, when I was listening to it, um, I don't know, it kind of just hit me. I was like, this is really good. And then I found out that Monty, unfortunately, um, passed away before this volume came to fruition and if you listen to the lyrics you can actually hear that it's kind of like um i guess you could say sentimental sentimental connection to monty and it's it's really a bit it's 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 a very bittersweet opening but i really enjoy it um casey lee went really into it and it's one of my favorites without a doubt it's probably is my favorite i like that That yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah it was in contention to being one of my favorites for uh, volume two as well yeah, yeah I feel like not many people really talk about Volume 4's opening, you know? Like, ever since, like, the new openings have come out and stuff like that, I have not heard anything about Volume 4 since then, though. But I love that strong opening that it has, like, right as, like, the opening, like, plays with the four colors and such, and then the grim. Um, and that's when the uh, they just switched on to the new uh, engine, the Maya engine for the Ruby series. So it was definitely a great transition from there, and then the song complimenting with that. Bless Casey Lee Williams, by the way, for that. Yeah. But I like that uh, choice as well. Good choice. Uh, so, I'm not gonna lie, I had a hard time, uh, choosing this opening. Uh, before I reveal that, I will say my runner-up was Volume 5, um, Triumph. Because that's when, because again, like, for me, I'll, uh, reveal this a little bit. I was going through, like, a really, really, really uh, tough time with my personal life. And, uh, I don't know, just... Seeing things that were coming around, coming away, along things uh, with my life, and then that just that opening uh, was released. I was like, "Wait a minute, yo! I feel like we're actually gonna overcome this." But we've been, we took too many L's and such. I took too many L's, and so I just happened to vibe with the song immediately. I'm like, "Yes, no, I'm done taking these L's. I gotta win this one." So that used to be my number one favorite opening. However, I will say I'm gonna have to give this one to Volume Six Rising. I just I think, in my own personal opinion, they went crazy with the visuals for Volume 6, and the transitions to that as well were extremely good as to Volume 5. It feels a little bit very slow-paced, though. This one, 
it just it just hit right on the spot. Um, I was re- like, it just showed like a lot of hype, especially that Team Ruby was back together again. So I just, I don't know, just something about that. I felt more strength with that one than I did with Triumph, and it took it took a little bit of a hot minute for me to actually feel that way though. But it, it won. It just won for me though. But that's just how I see it for Volume Six Rising uh, opening compared to the Triumph in Volume Five. But those are my two run-ups, I suppose that you could say. So, uh, yeah, now, this one, um, the last question for all of us. Favorite song of Volume 7. Who wants to go first on that one? Um, okay, so, my favorite song from Volume 7 is War, and I believe it takes place, uh, chapter 12? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the Ruby Team Ruby is fighting against the Ace Ops, War is a very um I believe War wasn't made by Casey Lee. I'm not sure. I have to double check on that, but uh it yeah, no. Casey did sing, but like there were there was a um other um cast yeah. for that song as well, the Corte. I, yeah. I follow the person who did that. I follow her her Twitter cuz she is a voice actor for uh, other anime and her vocal performances are really good. And it, it's just cool because, you know, seeing the Ace Ops go against Team Ruby, they thought they had this, like, friendship, but I guess they didn't. And, um, you know, the song kind of reflects that, and it, it's really cool. And They really thought. They actually <laughs> they, they assumed. They really assumed. They, <laughs> they got fucked up. But no, it's a really good song. Very heavy hitting. I like aggressive Ruby songs. Like, Lion Eyes is one of my favorite tracks of the entire Ruby franchise. I love heavy metal shit. So there you go. <laughs> go listen to war. All right. Okay. I respect that. How about you, Kims? Um, so I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm not like that huge into the Ruby like, soundtrack. Like I love the music. It's just like, I've never really been compelled to like go search for it. Wow. However, trust love is really <laughs> of good. Course. Okay. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Alright, can I just shut up now? No, continue, continue, continue. Pardon me, continue. I'm sorry, go <laughs> Continue, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, that song's, like, actually a bang. Like, usually I'm very picky with my music. But, like, Trust Love is actually, like, really good. Like, I could listen to that for a really long time and not get bored of it. It's that good. Honestly, for me, when I heard Trust Love, I, I did have a hard time, like, vibing with the song. Uh, the song, because... Uh, I was really into Rising, so I'm just like, I don't know how they're gonna top this. Um, honestly, like, I, um, I was kind of, like, feeling mad about it, but, like, the more I listened to it, the more it grew on me. But, especially, like, I posted this out on Twitter, though, but, like, especially the part to where Casey sings out, like, you know, um, what was it? The part with Ironwood, um, hopes are shattered, stuff like that, there's nothing to say after that, but, you know... The song goes on with that, and then I just see Penny smile, and I'm just like, that just brought me life. I'm sorry, but that just brought me life. And uh, another part that I also want to mention as well, um, you know, uh, right around the beginning for that opening, um, to where she sings out, you don't have to dream, your life is not a fantasy, something along the lines. I can't remember, though, but it's just right around that part. And I don't know, I just actually feel like the love this time, it, like, this one is not, like, a strength. Like, this is, like, the love and, like, people just being together for this opening. And it's not, like, you know, it's just the, the love and 
people taking care of each other and, you know, they got each other's backs. That's what really made me enjoy this song a lot more. And, you know, the, the instrumentals for that really was hitting for that as well. So I really enjoyed that as well. Um, yeah, so I 100% agree. Definitely. Um, again, bless Casey Lee Williams for this one once again our beautiful queen thank you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we stand we stand we definitely so, do yeah i had a hard time of this again i keep having a hard time but i'm gonna say this right now the moment the moment chapter 11 was dropped and the first thing i hear was hero i'm sorry but that one for me it just took off everything something about that song like it definitely resonated with ironwood um, throughout that fight, and especially to how many sacrifices he's willing to make in order to basically, well, destroy Salem. But it, the fact that it was Caleb Hiles that sung that was a huge surprise because he, he was known to, for his music in YouTube, not like an actual, like, record labels or anything like that with any, that, that type of connection. So the fact that Rooster Teeth got Caleb to sing this song, like, it looks like Rooster Teeth really got a lot of people for this soundtrack entirely, and I can't wait for that to come, uh, for that to be released. That's something I've always, like, admired about Rooster Teeth and, um, Monty's vision is that they get a lot of, uh, lesser known. I guess you would say lesser known. I don't want to be, like, underrated. That sounds a bit disrespectful. Uh, lesser yeah. known creators to work on Ruby and contribute like on music and art pieces and other stuff. That's really cool. I like the fact that they did that. They do that. They still do. Yeah. It, I, I'm glad that Kruby as of right now are kind of just like still living up to that. And Kayla, I don't know, just something about his vocals. Like he hit those notes. Just wow. It spoke to me a lot. And I'm not going to lie. There's some type of relations that I have with that song as well. So it just went too hard on that. And I, Honestly, I would not expect that for a battle between Ironwood and Watts, though. But you know what? I t- I'll take it. It's my favorite uh, song of Volume 7 overall. Like, that just won for me. So, um, so yeah, I think that's about it for any um the questions and stuff like that. Y'all got anything to say before we dive right into this one? No, I think we- we're good. I think I'm fine. Let's go. Alrighty. So... Now that we have Nakeem here with us, especially for being mentioned a couple episodes, not just the uh, Ruby episode, but he was also mentioned in the Kingdom Hearts episode. Here he is now. And today we're going to go, I think we're about to go ham on this one. And I kind of am looking forward to that. We're going to go straight back into volume seven and talk a little bit, open some of the subjects that we didn't really dive into. We're going to open this a little bit more. And then after that, we'll be able to uh, talk about more with volume eight. Let's talk about Penny Polandina. Nikib, what do you think about Penny for this volume? Did she need to come back? No. Was I happy that she came back? Yes, of course. <laughs> Look, I, I love Penny. All right, don't get it twisted. She's one of my favorite Ruby characters. I'm glad that she's back. I'm glad that she's in a lead position. And um, around the time before Chapter 13 was airing, people are like oh my god she's gonna get <laughs> the thing and i was like no that's stupid and then she got it and then i looked like an idiot and i i uh yeah so you know penny's cool i like penny i really do i love her design 
I love her personality. I love her her dad. Her dad's a really cool person too. Pietro Palandina. Yes, Geppetto. honestly. Yes. <laughs> they honestly like the way of how he was painted in the earlier volumes. Like they made him out to be some type of strict father or like somebody that was like usually on edge or overprotective and such. Though, but that guy is just wholesome as much as she is and that just took me by a huge surprise i'm like wow they made her they made him look some type of crazy overprotective father which which is normal but like the way of how he acts and how he talks it's like he's really looking out for the best for not just the people but also for his own creation and i honestly like i fell in love with the character very much and i'm just happy that we got to explore a lot about him, and I hope we continue to do so more, especially with this connection with Atlas and Watts. Yeah. So, all right. I definitely want to go a little bit more about this. Uh, the Schnees. Jock Schnee, Willow Schnee, Whitley Schnee, and Winter Schnee. So, we talked a little bit about this last time, but I definitely want to dive a little bit more about this, especially with Jacques willow and whitley because they're the ones that were like part of the family and not part of the military so let me go a little bit more into that first i'm gonna talk about jock Schnee, in my case that is and then you guys could throw in and chip in at any time that you want to so jock Schnee, for me he as much as that he is in a hor like you know a horrible abusive father i have to say he was actually good in this volume and the reason why I say that is, yes, we did get to see his crazy, old, boring behavior nature. But I'm starting to, like, I started to get, like, really, um, he started to catch my attention by the time that we got to the dinner table of, you know, inviting the conversation to Robin Hill, Ironwood, and discussing the matters of Atlas. And I will, I said this before, but I'm going to mention this again. I do find it interesting, the fact that, even though he's shown his true colors to his family, and I guess to Ironwood as well, in a way, to the the face public and to the councilmen, he is really good at controlling the conversation. Because I expected some type of emotional outburst for whatever Ironwood is about to say, though. But no, he wasn't like manipulating the entire situation. He literally stated out exactly the concerns of Atlas. And, you know, he, in a way, like, yes, it, it came off in a way as an attack, though, but, like, the way of how Ironwood came off to the councilman of him hiding secrets, doing these crazy-ass special missions or whatever and stuff like that, and they had no idea what it was for, uh, what it was for, um... And he just basically addressed that, and uh, as a new councilman, I'm surprised that nobody questioned him about that, though, but he did make a lot of great points with that. And it's scary that even though somebody like him that has that type of tantrum, he's still able to keep that cool head to when it comes to, well, saving his own ass, essentially, for the family name. So, I, I would say a little bit double-sided right there, but, huh. Okay. Alright, Jock Schnee. <laughs> <sighs> the Schnees, again, I don't hate all of them. I really like Weiss, and I love Winter. But the dad, I've never really liked the dad. He's always felt like a Disney villain to me. He's always felt like he's just like this goofy, over-the-top. He's very, no, he's serious. I'm not saying he's goofy, but he's just this over-the-top villainized person who will just go out of his way to make things worse for other people. And he does get his just desserts by the end of the volume, which I'm very happy about. But 
<laughs> Nevertheless, I do agree with your points on him being uh, two-sided. As you can kind of see from his position, what's going on and how everything's been affecting. Again, the world of Ruby has a terrible economy, a terrible government system. So I got to I got to agree with him there so on, on some of the things. And Ironwood was kind of acting up, so, you know, it is what it is. It only helped his case more. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a good scene to bring up tension. Yeah, definitely. Even though we have not seen that much of interactions between Jock and Willow, it's just that it already spoken of volumes, especially to when Willow was introduced to the series. Um... I am going to say this. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I said this in the last podcast episode, but if I did not, I am going to say this now. I am very disappointed that we didn't get to see or learn that much of her, of Willow, after yeah, that. Yeah, the mom, she's really, like, really absent. She, she gets two scenes, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> we didn't even see her in the ending. Exactly. She just got shafted. But she uh, goes under bad mom category in Ruby because everyone in Ruby has terrible relationship with their parents except blake she has a phenomenal relationship with her parents but everyone else has terrible relationships with their parents so there you go <laughs> i'm just trying to think if i can prove that wrong no. i don't think i can <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if only well does um, penny have a mom who who <laughs> does penny have a mom I, no <laughs> Well, right. soon to be Maria. Stop. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, but. <laughs> I'm just a little worried for Jock. I don't think. We, I'm not sure we're going to see more. I think he's gone. I think he's, I think he's done for like, now. Like, actually gone, gone? I think he's done for now. He's got arrested. Yeah. So. I wish we could see a bit more. I feel like his objectives were really simple. I feel, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't really matter. Like, cause Salem's here yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Salem's here now, so that just like completely overrules any potential plot right. that he had. So it's like, right? We do we really need you? Like his purpose in the show was mm-hmm. that was basically. When yeah. villains uh, like but. around the time when villains get like done or killed or arrested, their purpose in the show is basically done, unless they come back later. For example, I thought Cinder died, but then she came back. I could be proven wrong again. So. Hmm. <laughs> now, see, here's the thing. I do want to address with that type of concern as well, actually. Now that you guys say that. Um, I think Jacques' purpose in Volume 7, it was well executed. Mm-hmm. He right. did serve his purpose quite well. However, I'm starting to notice the amount of characters... In, Ruby, in the Rubyverse, especially with each volume, it starts to increase. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there's a hard time of focusing with the other characters said so here and there. Oh. And I hope this doesn't continue. Like, I feel like with Jock, it was appropriate, though. But um, mm-hmm. there's another character that kind of suffered through that. <clears throat> Adam Taurus. <coughs> I feel like these type of characters, they suffer from that when they're only for like the subplot and not for like the entire main plot in a way. And I hope this doesn't continue, but it's starting to seem a it's starting it's starting to seem like a trend here. That like once that they come to this volume or whatever again, maybe one or two volumes, like their ending is just so short and short lived. Instead of like rather to you know, diving into it more appropriately and more fleshed out. Um, are we allowed to bring up the time constraint? Or is that in later point? No 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 no. If you want to bring that up, go All ahead, right, go cool. ahead. So 
I've always had this issue with Ruby, and I think a lot of people have this issue where I guess Kruby and Rooster Teeth are sort of limited to 13 chapters per season. I don't know if this is a legal thing. I don't know if this is like a thing that they just have to do, but being limited to 13 uh, chapters or episodes per season really affects the long jeopardy and the character development and like development in as a whole for the series because being limited to 13 episodes you can't do much you can't really develop many things and a lot of things get either a underdeveloped or b resolved right at the end of the volume prime example adam torres uh what's another example i'm trying to think Jokshni just won yeah, Jokshni. if he's done for sure. Uh, even uh, uh, oh, another one is Kali. Mm-hmm, Kali or not? Not Kali. Oh my god! Why did I say Kali? Um, Sienna Khan is what yeah. I meant to say. My oh, bad. Sienna Khan and uh, the who is the main antagonist? Of volume six. The Roman Torchwood. No six. The old lady. Or six. Uh, oh fucking. Oh yeah. What the? Um. Oh god! I just forgot about her name. Gundam, but but she lady. was the one that was holding down the fort. Yeah, yeah she, her. Like I've noticed that once it gets to the climax, things just have to get resolved. There is no, you know, it just gets resolved immediately, and it's like, oh, that kind of sucks. I wish Ruby had a bit more episodes, maybe fifteen. I think fifteen would be fair. Uh, Caroline Cordovan, that was her yeah, name. Cordovan. But yeah, I there feel like go. if Ruby had a bit more time, we would get a bit more development because it feels it just it feels like they're rushing things sometimes. And I don't want I don't feel like they're rushing mm-hmm. things. I feel like they are planning stuff, but because they're constrained to 13 episodes per season, it's like, ah, yay. <laughs> but yeah, it's how I view it. I do have to agree with that. Um, I mentioned that before that, like, that's also another worry of mine, especially the one thing that Ruby still suffers to this day is the episode longevity consistency mm-hmm. some episodes might be 17 minutes some episodes might be 30 minutes and stuff like that like we're at least now at the point where like any of the episodes they're not under 10 minutes but like some of them would just be here and there and such so i'm not so sure of like what's the actual constraint time for that and as to why we can't have a fixed duration mm-hmm. um which, in a way, I do see the inconsistency with the longevity of the episodes a uh, benefit. But I, if you want my personal opinion, I feel like that was only a benefit to Volume 6 rather than Volumes 4, 5, and now 7, if you want my personal opinion. Especially to how uh, the volume concluded. Honestly, if it, were, if it was for me, I would have much longer... I would still have 13 episodes, but much longer episodes and better developed episodes and just end them with cliffhangers. I'd rather have cliffhangers leading into the next volume, um, like nothing really resolved, but like leaving into the next volume, then having everything resolved by the end of said volume. That's just person, my personal opinion. I think volume six did this very well. So, right. yeah, it's just me. Um, hang on. Mm. How about you, Kemps? Um, I feel like, yeah, it should be longer. I do agree with the issue that Edo has with the inconsistencies of like, I think that's, like, a huge bothersome of, like, uh, yeah, it's it just kind of an issue with me. Whenever, like, I, you know, it's the new week, I check into the new episode, and it's like, oh, 15 minutes, that's all we get. Minutes. And then you watch it. <laughs> and you watch it, and it's not even as, like, dense as it could be. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. I think, yeah, they need to figure it out. Then. Right. So, I don't know. Um... That, that, that's something, because I feel like that's not going to change anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is, I just hope, like, 
there's like again like I'd rather have like the shortest episodes go first and then as we progress to the volume it'd be the longest because obviously but we had to get to the end of the volume and we had to see a, what like what's gonna be like the crazy like cliffhanger until we have to wait until the next fall so at least that's my opinion again like I'm not saying I'm an expert or anything like that though but I feel like like things would be more executed that way or at least of course have your longest the start the first episode and then the end the last episode and then you just have the build up with the shortest to the longest and I think it will be more appropriately fleshed out have the introductions with the new characters and basically what their concerns are you build that up a bit and then you know you have to find out to what your climax is and then well it'll happen within the final two to three to four chapters if necessary so I don't know like what the type of layout plan they're planning to have they're gonna keep it or not but it's just that because again we didn't know much about robin hill besides the fact that she happens to be the hero of mantle we don't know about her happy hundredses and again just so many unanswered questions that go here and there and uh sometimes they usually solve it with a character short or like a ruby sub show to complement that so we have a under- better understanding of the world and such though which is fine and all but if they're there for whatever is happening for the main plot, they have to be careful with that and display that appropriately and in time rather than just, well, again, short-lived until God knows when. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's the time constraints that, um, the time constraint issues that goes on with Ruby. I'm pretty sure that, like, it's present among with the other community members. But, um, I think just this kind of just proves another point with Volume 7 um, because in volume seven, like, it seems, this is the first volume that's making, uh, like, like, it's like what I said in the last podcast episode, uh, volume eight is going to be a volume seven part two. That's essentially of what it is. It's kind of divided, but it's being labeled as volume eight, unless again, volume eight, it, you know, that changes, but there's still an Atlas and Salem has arrived there and they're going to have to protect the two relics. And keep that away and, well, try to fight off against her early in the war, even though this is all happening a little bit too early. But with that being said, um, yeah, no, like, again, we know, we only know Crows and Robin's fate. They're put into jail and, uh, Salem is there. Team Ruby and Penny as the new Winter Maiden. There were plenty to escape Atlas. Especially for the shit that Iron wants to pull. But yeah, no, just everything is just happening so fast into that. That episode alone, there was a lot going on, which is not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. But the time constraint of that, I believe that episode was a total, like, around the range of 21 to 24 minutes. And usually the endings are a little bit longer than that, though. But that's just usually. But... It's just the way of how everything happened. It's just like, whoa, we got a little bit of a montage of, like, you know, what's going on with Oscar and Penny about to become the uh, Winter Maiden. And then you have Ospin's monologue, which it was very fitting at the time. But, you know, it's just, it felt, a lot of things felt pretty unfinished. But I guess that's how it was meant to be, especially to what Volume 8 is going to be next. So. Yeah. <gasps> uh, I guess with that being said... Uh, we can... What are we going to be transitioning to now? Well, okay, so... <laughs> okay, alright. Alright, uh, I'll let you have this one. Let's talk 
let's dive into a little bit more as to one of the characters that shined in this volume, Oscar Pines. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, actually, you know what, Nikki? Do you want to? All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead go, whatever you have to say just i'm not stopping you first off is i want to thank uh rooster teeth and team crew for giving my son actual character development wow oh my god no way <laughs> um no but for real though uh honestly i'm I was so happy. I had like a smile on my face anytime Oscar was on screen. There were moments where Oscar would disappear for like two, three episodes straight, and I'm like, "What? Where did he go? What is he doing?" Uh, but <laughs> no, it was really good that they actually focused on him because that was my biggest gripe with Volume Six is that they kind of like, like I'm not gonna lie, they kind of clickbaited me because it was like, "Oh, Oscar's gonna be in the the shine light for Volume Six," but he wasn't. He just Kinda wasn't. He was there. He had moments, but they were off-screen moments. But in Volume Seven, they definitely fixed this by making Oscar. He's kind of in the middle between this conflict, and you feel kind of bad for him because, again, once again, you know that burden being brought up. Uh, his relationship with Ironwood was really cool too. I really liked that Ironwood trained him, um, and that they kind of had this this whole thing going on where he was trying to reach Oz through Oscar, which was good. Uh, you know, just Oscar finding it hard to answer stuff. Also, shipping, not a topic of conversation, but uh, Rose Garden fans will definitely really enjoy this volume because they're hinting at a lot of Ruby and Oscar stuff, which, you know, do you. I'm not going to stop you from doing you, but uh, not the biggest fan, but it's whatever. I can't stop. And then it all reaches to the climax. And uh, I remember, I when it was revealed that Oscar got kidnapped, or when he wasn't in his room, I freaked the fuck out. I was like, oh no, he's dead. They got him. He's gone. Uh, I started, like, freaking out. Turns out he was fine. <laughs> he punches Neo. He's just around the corner. Yeah, he punches Neo, comes out, punches Neo. He has his little moment. And Oscar's speech to Ironwood was amazing. Aaron Dismick, if you're listening to this, you're amazing. That was a great vocal performance. I really enjoyed it. And, uh... Fucking Ironwood shoots him, so... Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah Ironwood just shoots him, and I, I almost screamed because I was like, Oh no, he's dead. <laughs> I was, because I was, every day on Twitter, I would mm. be like, this is it. This is Oscar's time to shine. He's going to do it. Next chapter. And he doesn't do it. And I'll be like, next chapter. And he doesn't do it. And I'll be like, next chapter. And it eventually got to chapter 13, and then he got shot. And I'm like, oh, shit. He's dead. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to look like a clown. <laughs> but, uh. Shout out to Alex and Killer Fang. Yes. But, um. No, he, um. He unlocked. I don't know what he unlocks. I don't know if that's his semblance. I'm not sure. I don't think that was his semblance. I don't think it is. Because it, it seems like it was just Ozpin's cane doing some magical shit. Because that's probably what it is. But I don't think Oscar unlocked his semblance. Which is a bit disappointing because I really wanted him to. Um, but, no. I'm really happy he had time to shine. And hopefully, in Volume 8, since Oscar will be separated from the team... He will have even more great moments um, to add to the series. 
Unless, you know, Rooster Teeth says fuck Nakeem and he gets no development next volume and he dies. So, you know, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so, I have a question for you, actually. This is something that was uh, kept in my mind since the past uh, couple weeks since the last podcast episode was uh, debuted. Um, I wonder, what what is your... Um, what are your thoughts, or I should say your response to um, Tony's comments regarding with Oscar's Pine style of comments? Okay, Tony, I just want you to know, if you're watching this podcast, I hate you. Like, I want to kill you, honestly. Because this man... Can't so, Right. What is... <laughs> I can't even remember what he said, so... I'm li- he said, bopped in the head with a cane. Yeah. <laughs> so... Can't. When I was listening to the previous podcast, Tony was talking about Oscar, and I was like, really, like, oh, bro, he know he knows what he's talking about, right? And then he was like, uh, yeah, you know when Oscar hit the grim with the stick? I was like, stick? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck you, Tony. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, moving yeah. on. That's, That's the only conclusive point. <laughs> That's okay. Well, okay, here's my thing, like, like, if, I, if I'm going to be actually serious about this, like, I didn't make a comment about this at all um, in the previous volume, though. But I think I want to dive a little bit more into this uh, now that you said, um, well, not not only that you said that, though, but now that I brought up this, um, the combat with Ruby Volume 7, it felt very different to me. And I don't know if it's in a good way or a bad way. And I was hoping, like, I get it. Like, Oscar, he just was added into the Ruby volume series. He's not, like, a professional huntsman or whatever. Or, like, you know, he's not been training as much, like, you know, as hard as, you know, Team Ruby, Team Junior. Um, or should I say Orange, that Tony wants to call them now. Um, <laughs> and uh, the rest of the huntsmen that were introduced to the series, right? I feel like... They made some type of comment that Oscar, like, he's becoming more familiar with the cane and of, like, he's getting better to wielding it, though. But I'm just not seeing that. Like, there's just some type of inconsistency with the combat. Um, I'm not going to go too much into this again. Like, you know, again, Team Junior versus Neo. Like, I already said my points about that, though. But um, another thing that, like, is common with Ruby, they hype so much about a character's, like, you know threat level or like you know how good they are as a fighter crow bronwyn is a great example actually he was supposed to be this great huntsman that's an actual threat to salem's forces but like they don't they don't actually prove that and then the next thing you know there was a question that was answered that oh yeah crow is about the same level as team ruby and i'm just like i'm sorry what yeah the power levels in ruby are very inconsistent because even like watching the show again, Crow is a very high-leveled huntsman, um, very high level, because uh, it was stated at the beginning of the series. But then he's out here losing almost every fight he's been in. Well, he's won. I'm not saying he hasn't won, but he loses a lot, uh, especially as of recent. He's been losing a lot. He lost to the Aesops. He got captured by them very easily in the first episode. I'm like, huh? This high-level huntsman? Okay. <laughs> it's. It's really odd to me, especially to, like, how long he's been a huntsman and such. And it's just, like, how did Team Ruby be at his level so fast? I don't I don't believe that. Unless, again, the only exception is that they're maidens. But they're not, even, you know? Uh, even as much as I love that scene where Oscar punches Neo, even I was like, how? How? How is Oscar even <laughs> touching Neo? The power levels are very inconsistent. Um, very weird. 
I think they need to clarify how this works. At least, like, try and bring it up and explain that. Because it's a bit... It's like, yeah. Even the Aesops versus Team Ruby. I don't agree with that. But, you know, yeah. Mm, conversation in itself. Because I get, like, of how they're trying to handle with plot conveniences here and there. But, like, it's just... It doesn't seem to be that way. It's just, you know, again, like, if the character was supposed to lose in this fight... And then, you know, the elves keep adding on and such. You should have not hyped this up, this character to begin with. Oh, well, the argument to that, well, it could be that, you know, Salem's forces are really dangerous and such. And like, yeah, they're not, you know, the people that want to be messed with, even with someone like Crow. But it's like, it's not even just that. The only fight that I've actually seen him win is his battle against Winter. Even though it was kind of unfinished, that man was hardly like, you know, he was just playing around with her, you know? And he won his battle against Tyrion because of the assistance of Clover and Robin. <clears throat> Fuck you, Clover. Anyways. Yeah. Um, it's just... And with Oscar, it's just the fact that, like, all he does, like, you know, you see all these huntsmen, like, doing these crazy moves. And then Oscar, like, you know, they they give this innuendo, this impression that, like, he keeps improving it at a ridiculous pace because... Ospin has control over Oscar and such, so, like, he's starting to memorize more of body movement, stuff like that, here and there. But then, like, you know, again, all he does is just, like, oh, yeah, bop, punch. I'm gonna hit him with the like, stick. I'm like, um, <laughs> okay, sure. You do. Yeah, and I'm just here, like, I, can we see something good for, like, because, again, you have these characters that are hyped up, and then you have these characters that are, like, low, but then they're able to, like, play off against someone like Neo in a weird way. I don't understand that. I will so, I will give Volume hmm. 7 a lot of credit. The fight choreography has definitely improved. Um they were they were improving a lot in Volume 6. They were much faster paced and it kind of felt like Monty style um for a while, especially towards the end. Oh, and I think Volume 7 has improved. I love the whole free for all aspect that 7 has. Like there has been there's two fights in particular. No, it's no, it's just the one fight with Crow, Tyrion, and Clover. That's one of my favorite fights. I know it gets a lot of hate because of the context, but I really enjoyed the whole free for all aspect. I like the fact that Crow, uh, there's like little moments where Tyrion would push Crow towards Clover and then fight, and the three of them clashing. It's just really cool. I like, um, I really like. I'm a big fan of free for alls. So you know, very cool. It starts to feel like more like an arena type of idea. It's which. You know, it may not, the setting may not look like it though, but like of how it's been. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that actually. And like, I, yeah, actually, now that you say that, I think the only one on one fight that we've ever had in this, you know, volume was Watts versus Ironwood. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, because it, but you know, with this one, we had like a lot of 4v4s, you know, 2v1s and stuff like that, which, you know, yeah, no, that's actually really interesting that you brought that up. No, I didn't realize I, that. Huh. I really, I really want like towards the end game of Ruby. I want a lot more of that because if we're gonna fight Salem forces, we need as much help as we can get. So you know, we gotta start teaming up. We gotta start doing stuff together. That's what. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, that's my final right. point on that. Right, right. So I, I definitely am with you on that. How about you, Kim? Anything from you? Um, yeah. So with choreography, I feel like something that I noticed is I feel like they used rooms and space differently in this season. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It felt like it felt the areas they had to fight were bigger, like bigger on different areas, and they felt a little different in different spaces with one another. So that's something I noticed. It's um, they have worked with big spaces before, in, like the earlier seasons, but I feel like they were a bit more. Like around maybe four, like four, 
five, six-ish. I They're much more confident with the Maya engine, and especially Ironwood versus Watts is a great example, in my opinion, because the set piece mm -hmm. literally moves as they're fighting, and that's something that Ruby, it, you know, they're, they have cool set pieces, and I like when they do abstract stuff like this, where like the, the set piece moves and um, does this volcanoes, is really cool atmosphere and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, cool, definitely, yeah, yeah. I do wish that, um, I think this was said in the last podcast episode, though, but if not, then, uh, the arena, um, the Amity Tower arena, only the platforms were used and not, you know, the rest of the, uh, other, um, scenery changes that, uh, the tower offers. It was just only gravity, which, I mean, again, I, I, again, I'm pretty sure it has something to do with the time constraint for an actual full-fledged fight, though, but it was still a great fight nonetheless, though, but, like, I see that, like, some type of spacing, it's affecting a lot of the things in the environment overall, so, but... You know, I, it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing and such. Like, you know, I, I'm still saying, like, it's good, though. But, like, I will say it's a different type of direction. So, but I, I'd say that's still decent nonetheless. So. Um. So, uh. Ooh, here's another one. Um. I will say the one thing I am disappointed is the fact that, like, I didn't get to see much more of this. Because I feel like, like, the time total of this is pretty short. Um. Robin Hill, because again, she was meant to be the hero of Mantle, and you know, she's like basically the wide respected, you know, woman huntress in the kingdom. Um, but we hardly saw her fight, which hopefully volume eight m might change that. But I don't know. Or, do you guys have anything to say about her fighting, her fighting style, and like you know, her screen time overall? Maybe I feel like she was kind of underwhelming in some aspects um she was very hyped up i remember when they revealed that christopher lee the voice actress was gonna be involved christina, christina lee. lee i'm so sorry sweetie <laughs> the, yeah. i'm so sorry um <laughs> but when they revealed that chris the you know the word christina. yes the name uh was gonna be involved wow. i love her work on miraculous and i love her work on hunter x hunter so i was like whoa i was like whoa that's so cool they got a big name uh, voice actress i wonder who she's gonna play and then we saw in the opening i was like that's definitely gonna be her and it was her and uh mm -hmm. it just kind of felt like robin hill was hyped up i thought she was gonna be the winter maiden in all honesty i thought she was gonna get it um i ge like i generally believed from the beginning that it was gonna be her and that i see that it was gonna happen but it didn't and i wasn't upset that it didn't happen i was just a bit upset that they didn't do much with her she felt, mm -hmm. she felt like she could have been another Raven type character, but they didn't do much with her, in my opinion. Uh, really like her semblance, pretty cool, and she has a really cool design. And her, uh, you know, you can understand the perspective that she's coming from, because again, she's also one of those middle in the middle characters. Like, okay, what the fuck is going? I just want to be right for the people. Atlas, it's like ah, uh. but no. Um, hopefully, we see more of her, because she's she's locked up, so. <laughs> Yeah. Definitely. Hopefully. I think that, because again, like, she. Because I get, like, she's a support character, like, someone that was just, you know, introduced, but they. The impression that they gave Hob, like, she also knows the existence of Salem. So we're obviously going to need her help big time. Um. I don't know. It's just, there was not that much that I really see with her. Like, you know, like, how she acts, what her character serves. I think it's amazing. It's great, and she's a lovable character, at least in my opinion. Um, 
But yeah, no, it was a little bit underwhelming as time went on because it's just like she's just there and you know like especially even with the fight scenes you know her fight scene against with Blake and Yang it wasn't like a full fleshed out fight it was just well you know I'm not gonna let you catch me and the other one she was just basically a support character which she served to be great at that though but it's like we haven't seen her type of capabilities and I hope I really hope they do not do the same thing to her as they did with Crow you know I'm tired of this that they're hyping up these characters and then they're well they're not actually what they are to be and we got baited, she's, about, she's really about to be ship beat for chrome upset <laughs> but uh no no bro, but uh the problem i had with robin is i feel like that uh it didn't write her strongly as a huntress character like it almost wasn't important that she was a huntress she, right it was more was, like a voice a political to I didn't think of that until you said that now. Huh. Like, you could almost take out the back of the Yeah, if you get rid of, like... Over. I say almost because there are some parts, but it's kind if, of cool. But if you get rid of... Mostly. If you get rid yeah. of the whole Huntress aspect from her character, it doesn't really take much from the season. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's more of a voice. Especially with her semblance, it's, like, very obvious what her role is. And that's not a bad thing. No, it's no, just, no, like... They need to, like, if she's gonna be a huntress, especially that s happens to be someone that was excelled from the academy before, like, she went to Atlas Academy, even though she didn't go there, then, oh, yeah, no, definitely she, she should have been, have more of that type of huntress characteristic, and I don't know, it wasn't really displayed that much. Um, I, I hope that they do dive more into that, especially to, that right now is not about PR or anything like that. Like, now they actually have to fight off against Salem directly this time. So, if anything, maybe this will give her another chance to do that. Because, again, like, I love what she serves and what her character is and such. So, if they could continue with that, that'd be great. If not, then, oh yeah, no, just her being a huntress is almost rendered kind of pointless, unfortunately. Right, yeah. So, um... I think that's all I have to say with Robin. Uh, well, eh, no. Actually, I take that back. There's a little bit more of a comment that I have to make as well. Her happy huntresses. Why were they there? <laughs> because, you see, one of them is related to that guy from Volume 4 uh, from Weiss's party. So, therefore, character development, I don't know. They're actually, wait, yes, wait, 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 I think wait, one of them is related. You know that, uh, you know that guy that was... Like trying to flirt with Wise at the party. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the one of the like an emo looking guy. Uh, I thought it was like an emo. Yeah, that guy, that that fucking loser, Kagi Films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, his name was Henry Marigold, and uh, you know the other one is May Marigold, and actually that's actually the first uh trans character into the show. Yeah she's she's related to him i don't know why that's a plot point but it is so uh yeah let's let's go representation but also um they don't really do much and that's kind of upsetting uh they just kind of stand they they, they get they're like ace ops bad work good i'm like uh okay <laughs> Okay, it's it's just that like I want to know why are they part of like Robin's inner circle, you know? Because they're just there though. But it's like, why? What did she do with those people specifically 
that made her want to follow her and like be trusted. In, in Robin Hood, I think what she's based off of the the Merry Huntsmen, or I can't remember what they're called, the Merry Men. They assist Robin um, because Robin has trust in all of their equal abilities and trust them like brothers, basically. But did, we don't get much of Robin Hill and these girls. It's, it's like, well, or her team. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, with Robin, she had a good amount of screen time. I just feel like to what was portrayed, I feel like some of it was not exactly necessary that some should be portrayed off as as to other questions and i don't and honestly if i'm gonna be honest i don't think we're gonna get that chance in volume eight i could be wrong about that because volume seven would have been a perfect um chance for that but because of you know the biggest threat in the goddamn world of remnant is there oh fuck yeah no everyone's gonna be fighting for survival rather than actually like diving into the characters a little bit more appropriately and the happy huntresses so who wants to bet money that some of them are dead? Eh, like all of them, all Wait, of, all of them are gonna die. die. All of them are gonna die. Uh, <laughs> the happy hunters. Yeah, I'll, I don't even know if we'll ever see them again. So yeah, <laughs> I, they're they're just irrelevant. They're just unfortunately, by will. <laughs> like they're gonna get they're gonna get the for, they're gonna get the forest treatment. Remember forest? <laughs> oh Great character. yeah. Oh. But at least he had at least he had lines. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he had like three, four lines, and then he's uh, poor Forrest. Man. He, had, he had something to say. I feel like he had, he had he had something to say. He was kind of he he looked up to the huntresses. Man, why couldn't he join them? Man, <laughs> I feel bad. Like what? Because that guy got a mouth. That boy got destroyed. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway. Oh god. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you know they they had the right amount of time. It's just it was just oddly. I wouldn't say poorly. Just oddly executed and some places they were already explored as enough as is so there's some of the things that we should have been able to dive into though but it's not entirely bad however um yeah i don't know i just hope that again even though we're saying this as of right now we're gonna wait until let's see it's march 7th as of right now as we're recording this yeah we have until like six to eight months until the new review volume premieres or i don't know again maybe another companion book will be revealed and we'll be able to see like more of the uh story there because apparently like they reveal some interesting details not too much but interesting details about these sets of characters um by the way if you haven't bought that ruby companion book i suggest you do that because the art in there is beautiful and you'll be able to re- learn a lot more about the characters what go on what goes on behind the scenes and such go buy that 20 i just want my oscar pines character sheet oh my god man <laughs> fuck Stupid. I'm surprised that hasn't been released, actually. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> He's not an important like, character. Even even the, the app, Ruby... What is it called? Almighty? Oh, oh Amity. Arena? Amity, Arena, Amity. Yeah. Ruby Amity. Like, the team came out, they were like, Oh, the reason Oscar isn't here is because we're going to show off something in Volume 7, and he still isn't there. And I'm like, what? Why did you lie to me? <laughs> oh. it, okay, alright, Nikki, if it makes you feel better, I, just ha- I haven't even got my Raven character art character sheet, so... Uh, well, but you got your PNG from Amity, so you know what? You <laughs> anyway, oh my god. It's fine, wow. it's fine. Wow, okay, I see you. But, it's fine. you know, but yeah, but with, that, with that being said, though, like, um... Yeah, they even revealed Robin Hill's character. Okay, I'm done. Anyways. <laughs> um... Yeah, that's all I really have to say um, with that. Um, how about 
uh, actually, okay. This kind of ties back into Oscar, but I, I feel like you have some words about this, Nikki. Let's talk about the general, General Ironwood. What are that your boy thoughts? Wilden. <laughs> what are that your boy, thoughts? That boy Walden. Okay, so Ironwood, you know, I was really sympathetic towards Ironwood at the beginning. I was like, you know what? This dude has been for a lot. He has PTSD. He's stressed. This boy has a beard. Like, he was going through it, right? And I'm like, I kind of feel bad for him. I hope things get resolved quickly. I hope the Salem threat gets... You know, he doesn't know who to trust anymore. And Ozpin lying and stuff. It just was really bad. Right. And him and Oscar had a really cool relationship, as I said, stated before. And it was really going good. But then, like, <laughs> chapter 10? No. Ironwood started... Acting up, bro. I don't oh, know yeah. what happened, but you know, after his confrontation with Watts and his hand being all fucked up and shit, he was like, you know what? Nah, you ain't getting no damn relics. Fuck you, kids. I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm gonna tell the world about. See, I'm like, Ironwood. What? 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 Like, it, it just. It wasn't. It was not a good. It was not good. And then he shoots Oscar, and it's just like. <sighs> Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm just. It was. He's um. He's interesting. I, he definitely became an antagonist. I don't like him. I want him to die. Honestly, uh, volume eight. Hopefully he dies. But he just became and he just got filled with hatred and his his goal changed and it's like, okay. He doesn't. He doesn't kill Watts, but he shoots Oscar. Uh, yeah. All right. James <laughs> is what my friends call me. Head ass, <laughs> head ass, bro. I want to hear it, bro. Just it's head ass. To um, <laughs> you, it's general. <laughs> and he just shoots him. And I'm like, Ironwood, you can't kill a 30 year old sociopath, but you can kill a 14 year old kid. Oh, oh what? I don't fucking care. Old he is. He's pretty old. He's old. You see those pictures? He's old. Yeah, they might go <laughs> I don't know how old he is. What the hell? You know, that's one thing. Um. I hope they don't do this again, though, but I'm going to go back to Nakeem's point earlier that was made that apparently this is a specific trend for Oscar. He disappears for one episode. We don't know exactly what happens. Like, and even when we get like a small explanation, we don't even know like what went down. Like there's no flashback, no like behind the scenes of or anything like that. No, it's just, oh, yeah, I disappeared because I was depressed, self-reflection. And here I am. I'm back. Right. That boy was dead ass about to kill himself, and then he comes back like, "Oh, bro, I'm fine. I just went to the H and M store, bought some new clothes. Let's go make some casserole." I'm like, <laughs> "What? No, where, where did you go?" Uh, they don't. Uh, I mean, unless we get an Oscar Pine short, please, Rooster Teeth, if you're listening Ooh, to me, I nice. will pay money. I actually, I will pay money. Dude, it's just him going shopping. Oh no! <laughs> no, just, 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 just show us the scenes where he's just not there. Tell me what he's doing. What is he up to? Who is he talking to? Huh? You can't. There's so much things that this 14 year old boy could be thinking about, but we never get any confirmation or clarification of what he's doing. I feel like we need to dive a lot more with Oscar because that man is forced to be you know burdened with a grave responsibility of someone else's bullshit and he can't control it Ospin can't control it so it's like you would think that oscar might be having some type of crisis but you know which again like the way of how he's acting in volume 7 don't get me wrong it's fine 
I loved because, like, you know, again, he's still able to prevail through because of Team Ruby and, you know, how they've been. Because everything's been happening so fast, though. But it's like, that man was kind of like, he has, he was having a little bit of a crisis by Volume 5. But as time goes on, you learn about the lamp and, you know, of how everything else is going with Volume 6 to 7. And it's like, he disappears again. And he comes back and then, well, shafted again. Until the ending with that amazing heroic uh, landing. But even then, it's like, mm, I don't know. It's like, is this, when is going to be the time that, like, Oscar is going to really shine? Because, like, he did shine. But I feel like it could have been a little bit more. Because, again, he's dealing with a, an old soul inside of him. And, you know, he wants to handle it, which is fine and all. But... It's just that it's just a slow transition to Ozpin. It still feels Oscar, don't get me wrong, but you know, hopefully with Oscar's purpose, he's not going to just be one of his lies. And if that's the case, well then Look, my theory, <laughs> this is my little headcanon. Towards the end of Ruby, I think Oscar's hair is gonna progressively get white. I don't know why. I just feel like that's a thing that's gonna happen. You just watched Tokyo Ghoul, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I just watched Tokyo Ghoul and I just watched Yu-Gi-Oh! So, you know, I, I want it to have... I still want his hair to turn white. Or just have a little bit of white in his hair. It's cool. I'm gonna Photoshop that and see, like... Actually, I'm gonna have that as the podcast episode when I advertise that. We're gonna see that, actually. Why not? He'd be noted. Oh, he'd no! He's not... <laughs> his, his eyes turn yellow, so, you know... Uh, too late. I guess that gives another reason for Kingdom Hearts to have a crossover with Ruby, but... Uh, yeah. dreaming. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's just, there is a lot of calm. I think uh, Volume 7, it really made me talk a lot about Oscar. Because there was, like, a lot to go on. And, of course, Nikim, like, he has all the in-depths of Oscar and questions about it. It kind of opened my eyes a lot more to his character, so... Um, again, thank you for joining with us, Nakeem. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, with that being said, is there anyone else that wants to make a comment with Volume 7 overall? Nah, I think we, uh, I think I'm done for, for that. Um, uh, really good volume overall. Yeah, really good. Great music. And Volume 8. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so as you heard earlier, we're now going to transition to the Volume 8 expectations, hopes, dreams, and disappointments, possibly. <laughs> okay, I, I, I want to be the first one to say this. Um, I'm going to put down money that oh. I bet you anything. If I, I, I'm not going to bet it for this volume, but I will say this overall. I do see Atlas falling, literally, on top of Mantle. That floating a sky city is gonna fall because there's they're gonna get that staff one way or another. That's just gonna come out of the, that door. Um, that could happen. A lot of people are gonna die, but you know, oh yeah, happens casualties. <laughs> but um, see, we're in we're in a bad position right now. Salem's here. She has her whale house. <laughs> she has her new she has her new outfit from Gucci. She has you know. Her children are here too to watch everything transpire. It's just, just everything's looking a bit, yeah. You'd expect that for like the actual climax for the show overall, unless like this is it. This is this is coming a bit too fast because we have not even been to Vacuo yet. 
Oh, son, how I miss you. Okay. Bring back son for volume eight. That'd be oh, nice. Fuck yeah. yeah. Well, he's in. He's on his book adventures. He's doing stuff with uh, Team Coffee. But also be on the lookout for that. It's called Before. Um, I think it's called Before the Dawn. Um, yeah, it's something like that. So, um, that's gonna come out in July. Uh, mm-hmm. I will also leave that into the link. Pre-order that, and uh, yeah, it's. It, I mean, hey, it's kind of looking pretty good, especially that the, uh, Team Sun met up with Team Coffee. So yeah, let's see how Vacuo is doing when that book release. But continuing on forward, um, yeah, because it's like what I said earlier. Um, Team Ruby and Penny, they're not gonna leave Atlas, especially after seeing that giant whale. They're definitely not gonna leave Atlas, and they had to go get Oscar and Crow, obviously. And hopefully, again, this is just a personal wish in Robin Hill too. But, uh, but if not, well then. At least they have to get back those two. And my thing with that is the fact that Penny being the Winter Maiden, yeah, they're going to open that door. Salem's going to force that door to open. And, you know, she now has the lamp. Cinder got that. She's about to deliver that to Salem. So now they just need that fucking staff. (laughs) Okay. This This is something that's been on my mind. What if Cinder doesn't deliver it to Salem? Ooh. I know, look, I'm, I'm not trying to say Cinder isn't loyal, because she is, but I don't know. I don't feel like Cinder's the type of person to follow orders. Well, she's denied, she's not followed, or- she hasn't been following orders for a while. Yeah, so I- I've always thought she was going to go rogue at the end. Yeah, I always thought that Cinder was going to leave the faction and do her own thing for a while, but then again, she still has that grim arm, so... <laughs> well, remember, there's this certain objective that Cinder pretty much found the loophole to Salem. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to kill her at all. But... Neo can kill her because she doesn't have an order like that. So Cinder, in a way, is kind of finding around a loophole to this. So it's like, I can't kill her, but you can. And Salem can't get mad at me for that or kill me off because I didn't do it. <laughs> in all honesty, I feel like Neo's going to backstab Cinder at some point. There's going to be a lot of backstabbing. <laughs> because... Look, there's this whole meme whenever Cinder shakes someone ha- someone's hand, something bad. Happens. <laughs> uh, Raven, we all you know, we all know that. Please bring back Raven full volume eight too. I miss Mama Raven. Okay, um, I'm gonna say this right now. There's no way in hell, no way these bitches are gonna win against Salem unless they bring back that fucking monster. I'm telling you, like, I don't... Because Raven, again, I said this in the last podcast episode, she hardly used her maiden powers, and she still kicked Cinder's ass it's with, you know, with a complimentary, complimentary of the maiden powers, not going all-out raw power. So even if she's that fucking good, imagine what she can fucking do as, you know, at her peak. So... It's ooh. over. It's it's over, but you know I feel like Neo is gonna backstab Cinder, and I don't know if kill Cinder because I <laughs> I want John to kill Cinder. Yeah. I don't know why. I feel like that's just a personal victory for me. I want John to do it. I think a lot of people feel that way. It's just it, and John gets shafted a lot. He doesn't get to do much. I don't hate him. He just the writers make him like this goof goof boy. They don't really do much with him. Oh, I hate. So him. it's like. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I know you do. 
<laughs> but I want Jean to stab Cinder in the neck or in the chest, dumb bitch. I want her to die. I like like <laughs> I said, I hope she has the most gruesome, violent death in the entire show. I hate her. Just gets punched by Oscar. Yeah, in both ways. Oh god, if that happened, that's crazy. Oscar kills Cinder. I'm done. That's it. It's over. <laughs> like I hate her both ways. But, like I hate her the fact that like she's bullied and killed off characters, and it's just and plus she's not like a good character in the way of her writing, especially that we don't know why she is the way that she is. So nah, fuck her. I I, I hope she gets like the most gruesome death. I don't care who does it. Like, if you want John to do it, fine. But please, all, all I'm asking is that she's in pain. She is screaming in agony, and she begs to, like, stay alive, but she dies. That's all I'm wanting. But, yeah, I know, that's that's very detailed for, you know, a, quite a death like that. But, again, I just want this to be, like, the most impactful. More than Lionheart. More than Adam. More than the other characters that have already died. Just make this the peak of that. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> all I... All I really, some of the stuff I want cleared up is, uh, I forgot to bring this up in the 7 talk, is Ren. Ren has been acting a bit <sighs> weird lately. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's intentional by the writers. I don't know if it's just character stuff, but Ren has been very strange this volume. A lot of people were even theorizing that he was Neo at one point. And I was like, what? <laughs> the hell <laughs> well thank god that theory was debunked but no ren has definitely been in his feelings i don't know if it's the presence of salem affecting him or uh, of course his relationship with nora it was at its peak in this volume mm-hmm. so maybe that because he, he was even crying when <laughs> neo turned into nora i was like okay honestly i'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one actually mm. i think the peak of ren and nora's relationship was in volume four oh, no. No, yeah, no, volume. When they go back to the hometown, yeah. Yeah. But I, d- I definitely want to know what's going on. I want some insight on his on, on how he's feeling. Yeah, because it's, it's really confusing with his behavior that way. And honestly, I'm just going to say this right now. Like, th- they already did this. Like, honestly, I feel like this is something that should have not been at all to begin with with his anxiety and the way how he's been losing his cool, which is really unexpected because that's not Ren's character at all. So, uh, even though I'm not a fan of it, if since they already did it in volume seven, they might as well keep up with this momentum at, at this point, because if he goes back to the way how he was back in the previous chat, um, uh, chapter volume, volume seven, then that that's going to look, strangely odd and very inconsistent and the points to where he talked that could have been actually saved up for jean talking because jean did not actually spoke that much in the dialogue of ruby volume 7 look this is all the part of rooster teeth's plan they're gonna kill ren and nora and jean's <laughs> gonna be left all alone <laughs> yikes and it was so because team orange juice rj oh no <laughs> it's gonna be called team j team j well what about oh, oscar no. Look, bro. I thought I think Penny's just gonna replace Pure at this point. Uh, so it's fine. It's whatever. Well, well yeah. Y- you have you have Oscar and then Jean and then Penny. So, oh God, what 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 would you think of that? Mm. That team's. Good. We need a new member. All right, Robin, come here. <laughs> Robin. <come laughs> <on. laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God. Actually, it works out because the letters. Wait, no. No, wait. no. Team no. J. J. Jorf. <laughs> no, no. Unless, never mind. unless you make Robin the team leader, then you will be able to have Raw. No, no. No, Rope. Rope. You can have Rope. Team Rope. That's, that's hype. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Ropes, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, the Happy Hunters are going to die anyway, right? So. Exactly. exactly. So, like, they, they didn't even serve any type of purpose. They were just like, oh, no, Robin, don't leave look, me. <laughs> look, I, I know I know this is never going to happen, but one of, like, this is, like, my dream one day. I want Team Stark to pull up. Like, I want Team Stark to reunite. Well, Summer, of course, and she's not here, but, you know. It should happen. In, or yeah. Team Tech. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I want. I want. Wait, Raven, I got that wrong. Tark. Tark. Yeah, I want Raven to be bad mom again, so it's all good. Yeah, no. <laughs> it works out. Uh, look, okay. Here, it's like what I was saying earlier. Like you know, again, like with the amount of power, like because again, like they were just like, oh yeah, Crow and Raven, they're equal in power. Oh yeah, Volume Five definitely proved us all wrong. <laughs> but um. Yeah, no, because that's the thing, is the fact that, like, okay, like, honestly, if she comes back, she should have a character redemption. I think she she can get it, especially the fact that it didn't go to Cinder's, uh, it didn't go to Cinder or anyone in Salem, at least in back in that time. Like, in a way, she did help out, in some way. <laughs> and she cares plus, about, yeah. They need to make up the fact that we never got an end, end credit scene for this volume. Oh, so, that's so true. Oh. Look, look. I just want to. I want to see Ty in her conversation because I know she's with Ty. Hopefully, I I don't know, but maybe she just used him as a means of teleportation. But whatever. Hopefully, she's with Ty, and if she is with Ty, then Ty can finally give you know the rundown. Like, hey, bitch, look, we have a daughter. She's going through a lot of stuff right now. We got to work it out. It's like okay. That bitch was in tears though. <laughs> exactly. But then again, Raven is scared. Raven is scared of Salem, so... Unfortunately, yeah, she is. Um, I just... Because uh, it's like, you know, she... Raven, right now, she's irrelevant. She's not... Like, after for Volume 5, she served her purpose, so... I just hope we... It's not a lot... Like, if it's a long time that we don't see her, okay, fine. But if there's a chance that she should come back... Now's the time! Now is definitely yeah, yeah. the time if she's they want any victory. Yeah, she's a she's a maiden, and so is Penny. So you have two maidens, and they only have one. There you go. That's an e. That's basically Wait, an even fight. Do they have one there? Depends what's in the boat. I. What do you mean? Wait. Yeah, Cinder's the only maiden, right? Yeah, she's she's the only yeah. maiden that they well, have. Yeah. So depends. Yeah, depends what she does. Because I feel like she'll go to work. No, we just gotta get the summer maiden. But wait, who could that possibly be? That's what I'm curious. Is the fact that uh, I wonder what was Salem's plans with the summer maiden. Look, as much as I hate this theory, I honestly think Summer is still alive. Most likely. Honestly, why? Because really? as of recent, I don't know if you've noticed, as of recent, Summer has been a big topic of conversation. We saw, we finally saw what she looks like, like fully what she looks like. Because the only times we saw her, she was in like that stupid hoodie. Right. Um, we actually saw like her face in volumes uh, six. 
And she was brought up again in Volume 7 with the conversation between Ruby and Crow when they're eating cake. And when Salem's like, oh, yeah, your mom. Your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And even in the, the new comics that are coming out that I think DC are making, Summer was brought up again. We got to see a little... We got to see Raven Roast Baby. Oh, yeah. Which is not, <laughs> yes! not very nice. What? I, th- I thought that nice. was nice. That was great. No. What do you mean? I love that. Yes, because telling a five-year-old that your mother is a terrible human being is very nice. <laughs> okay, I hey, think hey. the situation was funny. Okay. Hey, she made her stronger at the end of the day. <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> anyway. It's a trigger. Yeah. Whenever the mom's mentioned, she cries. Yeah, I mean, Silver Eyes, Ex Machina, so, you know, yay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I just, um, because of that, like, I get it, like, especially, like, she should definitely try to keep her powers intact and, like, away from Salem far away as possible. Um, specifically, to, well, I want to say specifically to Cinder, because, I mean, we already saw that Raven outclasses Cinder in every aspect. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just the fact that, like, if if she comes back, and if she gets a character redemption arc, great. If she doesn't, at least try to help out. Even if it's for her own benefit, that's fine. Um, Just have her around, man. I miss her. It's been a while. It's been, like, two volumes. I just want to see her. That's all I really want to do. Right. So, definitely. So, um... And plus, I mean, again, between with Raven and Yang, I definitely want to see if, like, what's gonna happen, especially after Raven talks to Ty, and what, especially, like, what is she gonna do next? What about her tribe? What's, what's next after that? What's her end goal now that, well, you didn't get, you didn't grab the lamp that that you said you would, your daughter did, and she even told you, you're scared, she's not, and, you know, it even pains you this way. And even though, like, in a way, she was a horrible mom, she had every right. Well, I want to say every right. Let me take that back. I would say it's understandable why she left. Why she is kept far away from a distance. It's fucked up, though, but, like, after volume six, I can't imagine how much tea she was drinking that day. (laughs) But, um, I just hope that, because, again, like, I want to. I, I think we should learn a little bit more about her too. I feel like this should be done with a character short, with that, um, with volume eight maybe if they're gonna bring her back. If not, well, because <laughs> honestly, if we're gonna wait until we go back all the way to Vale to find the relic of um, choice, I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna have a little bit of a problem with that because obviously that's where Ty resides, um, all the way back in Vale trying to rebuild things in um beacon academy and keeping shade academy at you know at bay and hopefully try to you know keep the grim away but that's impossible um i don't know it's gonna be really hard i will see that it's a challenge to write her back in though but at least that it's not over so honestly raven please and plus, I, 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 you know, she's my favorite character, as mentioned before, so I stand her. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing that I feel like I, I definitely do see this happening in this volume. Um, if not, I will be a little bit surprised. But I feel like now that they have the relic and say that Salem 
does get it. Or Cinder, I feel like the last question is gonna be used. I'm not... I don't know. I feel like that's like end-end game. I feel like they're gonna save the last question to like volume... What, how many is it? Ten? Uh, well, we don't know when Ruby's gonna end. Yeah, whenever Ruby's gonna end, I feel like that's when they're gonna use the final question. What's the final question? I have no clue. But whatever they decide to choose, I I, I trust in these four teenage girls. So. Well, it's actually yeah. gonna be Ruby. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. But it'd be nice if somebody else were to ask it. Yes. Wait, the, the only person that knows how to like, the, 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 the ball they found the lamb? Yeah. Uh, he used to be the only one, but now Ruby... The, the gang now knows how to summon the lamb. Okay, yeah, so. Jin, but no one knows. Jin couldn't keep her mouth shut, so she basically exploited exposition how the lamp works and shit. It's like, uh... Yeah. Yeah. But... So... Okay. You're just making sure. Because I'm, like, Cinder has it, but she can't. She doesn't Right, right. Um, oh, that'd be interesting. Um, well, then again, I feel like she's gonna go back because again, Salem, she brought her house on top of that fat ass whale. She actually brought that house, so she's gonna be like, "Oh, hey, hey, look what I did! I did something good. I brought it here." And then, well, they're probably gonna have a little talk about that. That's gonna be so fucking stupid. <laughs> look, here's what's gonna happen. They're gonna get all the relics. The gods are gonna be like, "Oh my god, hi guys, let's fix the moon." All right, we're gonna take this girl with us. Bye, and then they just leave. That's what's gonna happen. See, well, that's In something that they're gonna saying. do, but they they need to see humanity reunited as whole. Yeah, like that. Yeah, humanity kind of good boys and girls. Before. <laughs> they yeah. can't be racist. They can't demand of the gods. <laughs> they have to be all good boys and girls. Look, fondness, equal, fondness equality is still bad, so I, I doubt the gods are going to be positive about yeah, anything, like, but... Well, that's the thing. Oh. Here's the thing that I don't understand. Like, okay, I, I get the gods, like, you know, like, oh my god, mankind is demanding us and stuff like that, though. But you do realize this is all being, you know, this is possible of this one fucking living whatever she is, you know? She's the reason why humanity is divided. So it's like, why would you give her that power? Oh my lord. Like, you actually just set up a game between two people that just won't die. And it's doomed to fail. Humanity can't die. That's not, like, logically, it doesn't work. And that's the thing, like, you know, at Salem, she somehow managed to find control over the Grim because, well, we saw what happened in, you know, Volume 6, Chapter 3. We saw the T, and... How the fuck are we supposed to beat her? Which, you know, I understand that's the plot point as to how we're going to find out that happy ending. Even though I am going to laugh that Salem actually wins and that's how the show ends. But... Oh, shit. That would be scary. I feel like they're going to probably find a loophole around the whole she can't be killed thing. Right. Yeah, uh, don't know how. Eyes. Ruby's going to probably use yeah. a sharing gun, yeah, which will being, allow them to win. Oh, It's like... No matter how it, it doesn't matter. However, they end Ruby, I'll probably be satisfied. Maybe, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but before the day end Ruby, uh, some characters have to die besides Cinder. And those are definitely the rest of the Aesops. They need to go. 
Um, uh, okay. Look, I feel like I feel like the ace off. I think half of them should go. Like you can take, uh, you can take Harriet. I don't. Yeah, I don't I agree. You can take her. Bye. Bye. And I guess you can take the strong girl. I really liked her. But then no. She started acting no. up. Yeah. She started like, acting up. You can take her too. I think Marrow and the bald head guy should stay. Wow. You don't find dirty like that. Yeah. Vine's kind of cool. I'm not going to do him like that. He, seems I, like, he sounds like he could be a Herbie. I think Harriet and Marrow should go. I, uh, I, As much as I hate Marrow and his actions and he's annoying, but... He was the most reasonable. Like, he didn't even want conflict. He tried to explain to them, hey, look, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. But they didn't want to listen, so... Right. Yeah. You know, well, once they find out that Clover is dead, they're going to be very heartbroken. They're like, oh, we're not a team. We're, we're not even friends. We're just a team. Well, we'll see about that. Well, see, that's the thing that I am I predicted is what's going to happen. Because the minute that they find out Clover is dead, they're not going to ask questions. They're gonna go against with Team Ruby again, so I feel like there's gonna be a part two fight to it. Mm -hmm. So, which I, I guess I, I'm hoping that I, I think this is something that I, like I can imagine there might be another free for all, not just with Team Ruby versus um uh the Aesops, probably with Cinder's faction as well. Ooh, Mercury, <laughs> Mercury and Emerald, or Hazel, or Tyrion again. Oh yeah, Hazel, Hazel oh. versus Elm would be very cool. Can, can you believe that like none of Cinder's dudes have died yet? Yeah, I, I'm surprised I'm that the faction has survived yeah. like, this long for seven volumes. Like, That's actually the only casualty is Cinder's arm. Oh, and Mercury's legs, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> Speaking of which, I wonder what how, what they're gonna do. I, you know, I, I feel like Emerald is probably gonna get a redemption arc. I don't want her to, but she most yeah, likely I will. Yeah, I thought like uh, she would be one to flip to another side. I, I Mercury, not really sure because he likes what he's doing. Like he's just a dick on he's purpose. Dick. I feel like he's gonna yeah. die. He's gonna die. Yang's gonna break his neck oh, or yes, something. Please. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like he's gonna die. And Hazel, I don't want him to die because I actually feel bad for Hazel. He's the most reasonable villain. Oh no, a villain um, with moral code. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, and I, like I said, I hope they dive more into that. T T Tyrion's still here, so uh, he ran off. He That's ran off from the authorities. What do you guys so. think? Do you think Crow versus Tyrion Part Three is going to happen in Volume Eight? Yes, they got to run it back one more time. Yeah, think of that. And hopefully, this time Crow actually cuts yeah. this dude's head off or something because I'm getting tired of him. Crow got too many L's, bro. Yeah, Crow's been getting way too many else. Crow needs one. I don't at least. want help from Ruby. I don't want help from Ironwood. Anybody? No. That's no. a fair fight that Crow should have personally. One on one. Yes. Final destination. No items. It's easy. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> oh gosh. But um, I want Oscar. Oh yeah. Wait. This is a note. Salem meeting Oscar, please. I want that. I wanted that since like oh. volume six, and I didn't get it. So give she it to know me. Immediately. She will know. Immediately. She knew in the past when it was the first time, so she will know. And I feel I, I don't know. I think our little farm boy is gonna get captured. But oh, definitely, <laughs> no. I see that happening. Oh, I kind of wish he weren't there. I feel like it would be more dependent. Like 
I don't know how Oscar's gonna negotiate with this woman. It's gonna be very hard. Uh, like, hey, I'm not your husband, your ex-husband. Your ex-husband's inside me. Don't let your anger out on me. It's not really my fault. I've kind of been thrust into this position, but you know. Oh, God. What if they, like, trick her to be like, wait, I'm sorry, and I want to work with you and taking over the world? (laughs) Hey, I mean, Oscar could do that. He's a smart boy. He could be like, hey, you know, you got a big whale. I've got a cane that can do magic (laughs) stuff. We can do something together, you know? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's all good. And then Salem will probably ponder about the idea, but she'll definitely agree because she needs more people. On their side. Uh, all right, buddy. All right. Well, that that that's some tea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see that on Wattpad. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see that on fanfiction.net. I I may. By the way, every time I come up with an idea and it happens, people take credit for it. So I just want you to know if that actually happens. I I said it here first. It was me. I did it. All right, no. edit right, edit this out. All right, I got you. Anyways, <laughs> um. Yeah, and uh, of course, like, um, it will be also interesting to see, like, not just the semblance, but what, because, again, if Ospin has the power of magic, then Oscar will be able to take advantage of that as well. Woo, wizard. Did they share No. No. So, how that works, because whoever that Ospin pairs up with, they get a new semblance in each and every way. But... There's a theory that it's similar as time goes on, or like there's just one big semblance though, but that's impossible because otherwise, if Ospin was with Oscar, he would have already had his previous semblance with his previous body, but that didn't happen. So, um, yeah, so it'll, it'll just be some type of, um, fusing magic, and then you have the semblance, and, uh, we can just see of like where the uniqueness will take off for Oscar because I, I kind of like, I, if Oscar has been around for this long, I just hope he doesn't become one of those other characters like Os- uh not Oscar. Um Adam, Sienna Khan and such being that character until they get to their end, you know, with nothing else yeah. at the end because I feel I like was. Oscar serves the purpose to be his own person even though he has to deal with Ospin's bullshit. He definitely deserves to be his own character and I hopefully he the writers realize this by the time they get to the end. So, yeah. So I know I said this earlier about Atlas actually falling. If you guys have to see about this, because again, the rule with the staff, once it's out of that door, it's o- it can only serve one purpose at a time. So once that purpose is gone, what do you guys think that staff is going to be used for? A walking stick for Maria. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Nikki. And I think, I think the sword of destruction will most likely just be <laughs> A background item for John. I think all of these these once all the uses are done, they're just gonna be accessories, oh right? My God. The lamp is just gonna be a little thing on Oscar's waist, okay? <laughs> that the somehow... crown is gonna be. Cinder's gonna put on the crown and be like, "Look at me, I'm queen now." <laughs> John's gonna have that big ass sword on his back. Oh no! <laughs> and the staff is gonna be a walking stick for Maria. There you go. A win. Wow. <laughs> Imagine Maria actually talking to Salem. She she would definitely, like, even though she's old and she's probably about to die, she'd probably still talk shit. She would talk the most yeah, she, shit. Yeah, she would. 
She'll talk shit to her grave. I like I love Maria. <laughs> Even when she's dying, she's like she'll annoy Salem in the back of her mind. She'll just be like, "Ugh, God, look at you thinking you're hot shit." But I was at your age. <laughs> oh my God, Maria, I'm a silver-eyed warrior, bitch. I was. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Imagine if she actually gets a personal vendetta because of what happened to her silver eyes. Hey man, I'm. It's kind of upset that Tracer from Overwatch just took it away from her. Hopefully she gets oh, it back. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you really went that low. I've never yeah, had that one. That was a pretty good one. It's just it's it's upsetting. It's kind of upsetting that her eyes just got destroyed. Now she has yeah. these robotic ones. I thought, um, like, yeah, I was totally expecting someone like a lot more of like high status would be taking the eyes because I thought there was like, some, just some random monsters you can yeah. stop I thought time. Be some like, elite gang just. Chilling, trying to like catch no, it's just it's just tracer. They never talked tracer about that. Before. Like we don't even know if they were part of Salem's faction or not. Yeah, they, they have no. They just look like some bandits. I'm like some <gasps> bounty hunters. Oh, just, you have just a high over, one. Team Overwatch's after the eyes. <laughs> yeah, tracer. She wanted it. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, we already know how that went. Um, unfortunately, here's the biggest thing. I hope, like, I strongly want this for this volume. Is the new dynamic between Weiss and Winter now? Oh yeah, they're not really fucking with each other anymore. Yeah, because um, that was like the last part of family that Weiss had, and like now there's a divide between them. Well, Watts hates everyone now. Yeah. Not Watts. Wait, what's his name? Winter. Uh, cool. the boy Whitley. 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 Shit. Winter. Sorry. I was like, Watts. I'm like, what? <laughs> fucking loser. Anyway. <laughs> Whitley, you know, he hates everyone. He just looked pissed off at the end. Dad's arrested. Mom is... We're never going to see her again. And now Winter and Weiss have this... Uh, it's, it's complicated. It's so, you know what's funny? Uh, the Ruby community... Or some people... Someone pointed out that uh, Weiss's mom has the dead hair mom haircut. Oh, yeah. The dead anime hair, like mom haircut. Well, she she might die. Who knows? I hope she doesn't. Because she's they're all in the whale. She looks oh. <laughs> this whale is gonna be really fat by the end of this arc, isn't he? It's already He's already fat as is. <laughs> oh my god! Like literally, like okay. Once they get the staff, Salem's gonna take that whale, eat that bitch up. And it's gonna sit right on top of Mantle. And then she's gonna be like, yeah, this is my new home now, guys. Damn. That's actually kind of scary now that you think about it. Like, so somewhere she was lurking outside the kingdoms, and now, like, she she's making one of her kingdoms the most, like, one of the most elitist kingdoms her home. That's a big W for her, actually. Look, as long as she gets her throne room and her children are eating happy and her whale has the leverage of space to go around stuff. I, don't, I think she'll be fine. She'll be okay. But she also wants the relics. Oh, yeah, those two. Those little trinkets. And she wants everyone dead. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Doesn't Salem want to kill the gods or manipulate the gods? No. He, I mean, her, 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 her stance on the gods... Because, again, the gods can't come unless they're summoned. So, yeah. like... So unless... Well, she doesn't want to get yeeted. <laughs> Okay. Because yeah, if yeah, the gods come, the, she's gone. <laughs> they have the, the weight to destroy as, the relics. Yeah. Apparently, like as they said before, like uh, those relics, they have the weight as an atomic bomb. Apparently, even like when they're not using to their own power, but once they're all together, well, it's over for Remnant. 
Is there a whale? <laughs> I don't know about the whale. I think that the Sa- wh- Salem wants more creations than that bad whale. It's going to eat all of the relics. And then Ruby ends. <laughs> just explodes. Did it explode inside of that grip? <laughs> and then That's the whole actually- world is a monster and then one a monster. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> but no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know. I just, um, but going back to that though, like, it's interesting to see that. I, like, I'm hoping Winter comes around. She doesn't, like, stay at her own party like that because she obviously cares for her sister. But it's just sad that, like, she, she rather follows the orders and she wants to, like, you know, be someone that represses her emotions rather than, well, follow the example of what Penny is doing. <laughs> Following well, her. I feel like having Winter on the other side is going to be a lot more interesting. Because if you were just a part of Team Ruby, it would be like, like a whole dynamic of being some kind of a anti-hero <laughs> position is gone. Uh, that would add to that, actually. You're right. Um, yeah, that's the thing I'm, gonna, like, I'm curious about. Because, again, like this is like technically, like right now, this is a civil war. In a way. With Team Ruby versus Atlas... And then Salem that just came in to invade the kingdom. So, yikes. Um, but I don't know. It's just the fact that like I wonder like how long Winter is gonna like really put up with that. And then you know the fate of the Schnees, even though we said that they're probably gonna low key die though. But it's like I don't really see the point of Whitley and Willow being around anymore until well, <laughs> darkness. We see the skies of darkness outside here and there and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, and I wonder how they're going to escape Atlas because they got to go to Vacuo next. That's why we got Sun and Team Coffee. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> Sun and Team Coffee pull through because, you know, right now it's looking a bit sticky. They can't really leave. Because <laughs> if they leave now, <laughs> well, first off, Oscar is there. They're gonna leave Crow as well, and Robin, I guess, because Robin has to tag along too. Plus, all the point. innocent civilians. It's just like uh... it's it's war now. Mm-hmm. Uh... See, see, here's another thing. I'm hoping for Volume Eight. Since we're here now, like it's safe to assume. Or, no, I want to say assume. It's safe to say that the circumstances of Volume Seven are much worse than what happened in Volume Three. Yeah. So oh, yeah, for now, right now, yeah. Yeah, for right now. So I feel like Volume Eight should be one of the most like it should be as long as Volume Six, if not maybe longer. <sighs> Give me fifteen chapters. 15 chapters. Now. <laughs> 15 <laughs> chapters. They all must be 20 minutes or more. Oh my god. Look, bro, take as much time as you need. Don't rush. Take your time, all right? And give me a 2-hour special. Give me a 3-hour special. And we'll see. That that's a, I wonder how they're going to introduce this because like this is going to be the first volume that's not going to start off with a happy like you know, a happy intro or anything like that. Because back all the way to volume four, five, six, and even seven, like, you know, there's always that type of happy tune attitude. And then they go over like, okay, so this is what's going on. So yeah, there might be some tension, 
But like, you know, again, like they'll they'll be happy and they'll be able to pull through. I don't see that happening for volume eight at all. I see that they're like gonna be tense as fuck throughout the entire first episode. I, I feel like, like the mm-hmm. I feel like the opening song might be a reflection since we're talking about so we brought up music before volume three's opening was a good contrast to how volume three actually played out so hopefully we get a much darker toned opening for volume eight hopefully i don't know well it's fun now that you say that i was talking to um a friend of mine and he says that volume seven is pretty much a huge irony because the opening is trust love and then it ends with fear countering or like you know against the odds of trust love because guess what happened <laughs> look at ironwood is a great example of that yeah so it's very unfortunate um i'm just hoping that i guess again like th- this is so hard to like even predict of how many chapters volume eight is gonna get because I- i'm gonna bring this fact up right now volume eight and nine got the green lit like yeah they can start the development with those two volumes so i'm just worried that because i i see the atlas arc ending with volume eight because volume nine because i see this like because they kind of uh, insinuated this that every three volumes there's going to be some type of ruby upgrade or update with their outfits and stuff like that so mm-hmm. and as we've noticed before there there used there has to be at least one volume in the middle of your three traditional volumes there has to be a traveling arc to the next kingdom or wherever maybe maybe this is my theory maybe i don't think this will happen maybe they leave atlas early um i don't think it will maybe like halfway through volume eight they leave atlas to go to vacuo and then it continues and then volume nine just transitions from there it could be. It could because I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm starting to get tired of the traveling arcs. Yeah, exactly. Because it just it cuts. It cuts time from. Oh, we have to get from point A to point B. Ah, oh, this is long. Yeah, because Ruby for like Volume Four, it felt very long with traveling just to get to Mistral. They were um, in a room for like three volumes doing nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, for five, and then you know at least yeah. six they traveled again. Which it was nice, yeah. But, mm. but uh, I'm getting sick of the traveling. We got to get some fast transport, okay? God. Here's a question for you guys: Do you think Team Ruby's gonna get split up again at one point? Yes. <laughs> like, wait. like for more than like three, four, six. Yeah, like basically, like what happened in Volume Three? Like they were all split. Do you think that might happen again? I don't want it to be the case. Look, I don't want it to be the case where they're, they're eventually split up again. But considering certain circumstances currently happening right now, I think it would be much beneficial for certain individuals to go one place and other individuals to stay at one place. Maybe some of Team Ruby stays in Atlas and the other half go to Vacchio. I'm assuming, and when I mean the other half, I, I'm saying Blake and Yang going to Vacchio and Ruby and Y staying in Atlas. I think that's a fair trade from there. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Because, again, Blake has her connections with certain people. Her dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all the way in Menagerie. I know, but still. Um, again. Fair enough. I just feel like those two. Again, those two are a very good pair. So I feel like those two can work stuff out by themselves. Weiss has connection to Atlas, so. 
I, yeah, that could be, because Blake could be able to get the backup from Menagerie, and then find out go, through Sun of what's going on. Yeah, and also, probably not just Blake, uh, not just Blake and Yang, most likely some of Team Junior, too. <laughs> I say Junior loosely. Team Orange. Yeah. Team Orange. <laughs> Team Orange. But... No, I, I I could see that. I don't know. I I also don't want it to happen as well, though. But like that's something that's been like lingering on my mind because of how everything is going. So because I know like they made it strongly emphasized that we're back together, we're not gonna lose each other this time. But I feel like it's not gonna be out of choice like it was back then. It's gonna be out of like because like everything is so fucked up. They were forced to be in those spots. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. I believe that. Plus, they have phones. Jesus, use your phones. Talk to each other. They can't. Fine. Oh, wait. No, they can't even do that anymore. Yeah, they can't anymore. That's the purpose of the Amity Tower, but you can thank General Ironwood for that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know. That's just something that's, like, lingering on my mind. Because, like, I get it. Like, back then, it was hard the characters like to develop the characters with weird time frames uh back in volume four and five so it was a lot beneficial that they came back together though but i feel like it would be different if they're split up again so hopefully they don't make the same mistakes like they did last time um because everything's now becoming more fast-paced which that's great that's amazing but they kind of have to slow down just a little bit especially for the fact that characters didn't have the chance to shine or really learn for their purpose as to why they were introduced to begin with. You know, rather than just being a plot convenience. So, um, yeah, other than that, I'm, I see volume, like, volume 8 concluding the Atlas arc. Um, and as for Salem being there, that's gonna be so hard, because again, this just, this feels like this is happening all too early, which I'm gonna have to go back to this quote. The timeline has changed through Ironwood and Cinder. I feel like, like now like shit is hitting the fan too because Cinder didn't even expect that shit would be hitting this hard. So I I, I just wonder of like what is the premises of the plan that Salem wants to do just, rather than just like we already know is to destroy humanity. But what is like this big stage that you're setting up for? And I'm scared because again, like even though we saw that giant whale, what what's going to happen? <laughs> Only so. time will tell. Only time will tell. I just hope they introduce this just right. Because, again, they're not doing their usual introductions to the volumes like they did in the past. So, hopefully, maybe we get a character short. Maybe two. Because we haven't gotten those in a while. Um, Because, again, this is going to be like... We're, you're, we're picking off to what Volume 7 left off. So, I guess we'll just have to see. Also, side note, kind of hope they don't introduce a new character or someone that's not overly major because I feel like I already have so much potential to with all these other characters to do so much. Knowing so, Ruby, uh, I I wouldn't doubt it, but like I feel like they probably are going to introduce a major yeah. important character with some yeah, major I, I important like arc. Cool. I'm like, they really don't need to. They have more than enough characters to tell whatever story they need to. I get that they only need to do it with Vacuo, but I just hope they didn't do it do it at all in Volume 8. There's no reason to introduce any new characters in Volume 8. So, uh... Unless it's to set something off for flashback or something. 
like a flashback character that's important. Oh, that's okay, I guess. But no one that's majorly changing events in the present. Yeah, because, you know, as we've already talked about with the other characters that were introduced and such, it kind of left off a weird taste in our mouths regarding with these sets of characters that were introduced. Um, Robin Hill and her happy huntresses and such. And, you know, we can name off the list even more from after that. But, um, yeah, uh... I think that's all I really have to say for like the uh, the expectations and the hopes and predictions of Volume Eight. How about uh, the two of you? I think yep. that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. Alrighty, and that is all for the podcast episode of Follow the Red Brick Road Part Two. If you are listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave out a five star rating if you enjoyed the podcast. Hit up the Storm Connect Twitter at Storm Connect En or other platforms this podcast is on for feedback on the show. This is Edo Ninja. You can follow me at at Kim. Oh no, at Kimchu, sorry, at Kimchu on Twitter. I post some pretty cool graphic stuff occasionally. Uh, you can follow me at NakeemVO on Twitter. I sometimes upload voice stuff. I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning into this podcast, and for you guys, I'll see you guys next Wednesday.